Hey, it's Aloe Baker here, and welcome to my catch-up of the show right here on the Listener app. If you missed any of the show this week, don't worry. We've recapped some of the best bits for you right here. If you missed it yesterday on the show, I caught up with Steve Hinks, the man behind Taronga Western Plains Zoo, and we had a little bit of a chat about the fact that the zoo is now open again, which is awesome news as of yesterday morning, and, of course, what the animals have been up to during lockdown. Well, I think it's fair to say that uh, during lockdown, all of us have been finding ways to keep ourselves busy. Uh, Our animals are no different on Mm. that front, and uh, we're very excited to announce that we do have three adorable little meerkat pups that are just so excited to see people come and visit them up at the Waterhole Cafe. Oh, is that what you meant when you said the animals are getting busy? (laughs) Well, you know, I was going to say they're only human, but they're not, are they? (laughs) They're only meerkats and, well, they are breeding, which is a good sign, which is awesome. Everyone loves babies. Of course, of course. Uh, I mean, we, we... we know that spring is the time and no doubt there will be more on the way, yeah. uh, but certainly uh, yeah, meerkats are always a favourite with uh, with our visitors. I think there's one rule in zoos and that is you can never have too many meerkats. So <laughs> very, very excited <laughs> to see the group increase, uh, um, Steve, which is great. Are, and they're, they're extremely active. Yeah. Ga- sorry, gates are officially opening at 9 o'clock this morning. If people want to come out to the zoo, what's expected? Because obviously... Uh, the way we go about life has changed. What does the zoo expect from us as far as buying tickets? Can we rock up at the door and buy a ticket? Do we need to buy tickets ahead? Yeah, it's a good point. So uh, there's a lot of changes to the way that we need to interact these days due to the public health orders which are in place. So Mm. all of our tickets need to be purchased online in advance of the visit. Um, That enables us to control capacity restrictions uh, onto the site as well as ensuring that we've got contact details for everybody. Um, On arrival, of course, you do need to check in via the QR code process. But one extra step this time around is that people will have to show their proof of vaccination status on entry into the zoo. So we've got some of our very friendly staff that are waiting to greet you at the main gates as you come in um, so that we can be sure and you can be sure as a visitor that everybody inside the the zoo grounds uh, has been checked and is fully vaccinated, uh, and that includes staff. So... Um, we are trying to make sure that the site is absolutely as safe as possible. Does that count the, uh, obviously, the cafe and the sort of water frontage there with the monkeys that has typically been easy entrance for anyone? Yeah, it does. So you don't need an entry ticket to go into those spaces, so that doesn't change. That's still free entry space. You know, you're welcome to come down, grab a coffee, watch the spider monkeys and the ring-tailed lemurs, uh, but we will need to check that you are vaccinated to enter that space. So... You know, it's it's a little bit like going into any of the other shops, cafes, restaurants, anything like that around town. Um, we're just doing the check in the one place so that people don't have to prove that they're vaccinated on multiple occasions. We feel that it's a much better visitor experience if we just do the check once and then we know that everybody's fine beyond that point. So you can't buy tickets at the gate. You've got to buy them online before you come, so capacity obviously can be watched, but also have your vaccination passports there ready to go. Yeah, that's exactly right. So, look, it hasn't changed a huge amount for uh, for the experience, but obviously, you know, we need to meet our obligations under the public health orders, and more importantly, we need to keep people safe. Well, I think it's exciting, number one, that the zoo is open again, and I think the whole city should get out there and take advantage of it, Steve. Yeah, we're really excited, and we know that uh, tourism plays such a huge part in the regional economy. Yeah. It brings in over $300 million a year into the Dubbo economy. So it's just so important for us to be able to open, to deliver that experience. And hopefully as vaccination rates increase and Sydney siders are able to travel, that we'll start to see regional tourism open up, which I think is what everyone wants to see. Yesterday, it was fresh new 
uh, rules that were lifted. And if you missed my chat with local MP Dougald Saunders to clarify what those rules are and what you are and aren't allowed to do moving forward, I'm going to replay that chat for you right now. Hello, mate. Yeah, look, it's a bit of a, a dawn of a new day again with, uh, with new things on the way. And those new things include community sport, which mm. I know loads of people are really excited about. It includes 20 people at your house now. It includes 50 people in, a, in an outdoor public venue. Um, the ability to, to go to hospitality venues, um, you know, more numbers, no masks in your office anymore, uh, and really, uh, you know, the ability to do, do a bit more norm, normal type things that I guess people have been missing. No caps on guests at your wedding. Mm. Um, so, look, there's a lot of things to, to really take advantage of. I guess the one thing that uh, has disappointed a few people is the regional travel to and from Greater Sydney. Uh, that is not going to happen until November 1. Um, and to be honest, it was something I was hoping we would have from the 25th. That was certainly what I was pushing for and possibly a staggered return. But look, uh, Cabinet decided, um, you know, with the urging of, of the Chief Medical Officer and, and New South Wales Health to wait until November 1. That's the decision that's been made. But look, there is the ability to travel region to region, and that's yeah. been around since last week. And apparently, you know, people are doing it. People are tra- travelling to Wagga. People are travelling to Tamworth and Armadale and, you know, down the coast and up the coast. Uh, you just can't do the greatest Sydney thing for holidays at the moment. But we're, you know, we're a couple of weeks away and I'm hoping people will hang in there. But we could go to Canberra for a sec because they came out of lockdown last week, yeah? Yeah, correct. They came out of lockdown on Friday. Uh, so you can, yeah, you can visit Canberra. Um, and look, I think people are pretty happy just to be able to go to some of their friends, maybe in Orange or Bathurst yes. or, you know, further out west to, to Burke or Bree or Walgut, where there are so many connections within our regional areas. Uh, I think people are still really taking advantage of the opportunity to actually travel, albeit not to Greater Sydney at the moment. Look, I'm thinking just even less distances like West Dubbo to East Dubbo, personally. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, look, you're a very brave man. Yeah. Uh, you say tra- travelling across the river. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's uh, nice to be able to go to people's houses again. <laughs> exactly right. And you know what? That's um, that's something I think people have really enjoyed since last week. And you can now have, you know, somewhat of a birthday party. 20 people at your place, 20 yeah. guests. Um, and I think, uh, you know, even things like the movies or the, the theatre, you know, they're all opening up again. They're, they're back at 75% capacity. Yeah. Um, and it just means that things feel a bit more normal and that's I think what people want and look then we hit November 1 travel anywhere in the state possible and then we hit December 1 and we look forward to a really really bright you know Christmas period as, as people will be traveling spending money encouraging everyone to be out and about spending money and supporting business so but it's it's looking good um, we just have a, a couple more weeks before we can travel absolutely anywhere but in the meantime enjoy that regional travel. Uh, definitely feels nice as the as the restrictions ease up and things slowly open. It's almost nicer that it's slowly opening up. We're just easing our way back into life and then the, the door's being thrown open. Yeah, and look, that was a concern for some businesses, to be perfectly honest, who wanted a bit of, I guess, continuity and then a bit of certainty around an actual date rather than just being given a couple of days. Because for businesses, there's a lot of stress around being ready, particularly with your staffing numbers, for what might be a surge of people. So yeah. having that certainty there. Now, I've got to ask, have you had a haircut yet? Have you managed to <laughs> get the mop taken off? Uh, I'm because a bit scruffy. <laughs> well, there's no limits on people on numbers in, in hairdressers from today as well. So it was to be still a, a limit of, of one per uh, uh, four square, two square metres in, uh, four square metres, I should say, in, in hairdressers. That's now gone, though. So you can have as many people as you need to in your hairdressing salon from today. Hairdressed. 
So, mate, you better go and get your yeah. hair dressed. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, great news all around. Uh, pretty much uh, things opening up left, right and centre, except for obviously that travel to uh, Sydney, which is uh, happening on the 1st of November, which is two weeks away exactly. Exactly right. So enjoy what we have now. We have the opportunity to really get out and support local business in the best way possible. You don't need to wear a mask at your office anymore. You do if you're going to the shops and that's all fairly natural. I think people are used to that now. Uh, but enjoy the, the little changes we have today and then a, a couple of weeks further down the track, a few more. Dougal Slotters, thank you so much for your time this morning. Always good to chat, mate. Have a good day. And then you know where I'm going to? Dubbo's 93.5 Triple M's. The latest. Who would have ever thought that photos of squirrels would, well, help people with uh, serious trauma issues after one man from Rwanda in uh, Africa, him and his sister, uh, tragically they were they were born at a time when there was raging wars going on in, in Rwanda and uh, in Africa and uh, both their parents died and they were sent away to be adopted in Europe. Uh, they eventually got adopted. It was this big traumatic childhood where they had to readapt and relearn a whole new language in a new country and, you know, with people they didn't know and um, anyway, a bit of a traumatic childhood but they, they found a really nice family, loving family and they, uh, you know, learnt to get along in society yeah, but uh, him and his sister were like each other's rock and then when they got into their early 20s tragically his sister passed away they have no idea why this happened um, and so obviously he was an absolutely broken man he's sitting on the back deck um, of the house and uh, this squirrel comes up to him and is not phased by him at all that he's standing there he's like a, a meter away from this squirrel and this squirrel's just hanging out and playing with random objects on the back deck being a squirrel I guess and uh, he, he just became fascinated with squirrels ever since that moment and he went out and bought a squirrel feeder and then all of a sudden I mean if you've, if you've ever dealt with squirrels and you put a squirrel feeder out uh, squirrels become your pets pretty much <laughs> so he's got all these squirrels that hang out in his backyard and he said, I don't know what started it. I just decided I wanted to get a good photo of the squirrels and how close they were. And then all of a sudden, it just became this thing. And he had no official photography training. So he just got a few tips and tricks from friends who knew what they were doing and uh, from YouTube. And then before long, he was taking um, these amazing photos of squirrels in his backyard with random objects. So uh, there's a photo of a squirrel with an empty uh, soft drink can and it's holding the can up with the rim on its mouth almost like it's having a drink and and uh, you know, like a Barbie umbrella holding it above its head like it's uh, keeping the rain off its head. Uh, all these amazing, really like, really arty photos uh, and he's obviously come out and said this has really been able to help me through my grief and through my trauma and my childhood trauma and now um, they're using these photos and calendars and things like that to help other people help raise money for other people who are in trauma and who would have thought though? Photos of squirrels! Who would have thought? How amazing is that? That's pretty cool. Anyway, uh, if you want to see photos of some of these squirrels, we'll chuck them up at triplem.com.au, but very, very cool story. Popcorn. Chop tops. And the latest releases. Let's go to the movies with Shane A. Bassett. And uh, with another Thursday brings new movies and another Thursday where the cinemas are physically open in the flesh here in Dubbo, movie analyst Shane A. Bassett. How good is that to say cinemas are open again? Yeah. Hi, hello. I'm very excited to talk to you today about our movies. Yeah, let's start off, shall we, with The Last Jewel. Uh, I believe it's featuring Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. Uh, looks like a pretty cool uh, movie, Shane Bassett. Yeah, this is uh, on the big screen as of today. Brand new film, The Last Jewel, directed by Ridley Scott, who uh, has made many movies, but Gladiator, people always liked. Uh, it is a medieval melodrama with kings and knights jousting over beautiful women uh, Jodie Comer uh, she has she's from the Killing Eve show that 
that you might know. Very good actress. Her character here has a crime committed against her and she goes to court to try and prove her innocence, which isn't that easy during these times. Uh, Matt Damon, Adam Driver, Ben Affleck is also in it. Really solid, dramatic movie this with some great battle scenes as well. So you must see it on the big screen. And some seriously big names. Uh, Well, Ben and Matt also wrote the screenplay. Yeah, cool. Uh, along with another, a third screenplay writer. But Ben and Matt, of course, won an Oscar for Goodwill Hunting for acting and starring in that movie. So they do the same here. And I would not be surprised if The Last Jewel uh, is up for awards around Oscar time next year. Almost sounds like a remake of The Last Night. Uh, not quite. It's a little bit more harsher than that. This one is not definitely The Last not Night, a Night's Tale. That's what I was yeah. thinking of. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, a nice show. I knew what you meant with uh, Heath Ledger. Yes, of course. Yeah, this one, that was PG. This one is MA, so a little little bit more full on. (laughs) How many buckets of popcorn are you giving the uh, last duel, Shane Bassett? Uh, It's quite confronting subject matter at times, but an excellent movie, an epic, as I say. Uh, I'm going to give this one a three and a half buckets of popcorn out of five. Now, Shane Bassett, movies over the last couple of years have taken a real interest towards... Uh, origin stories of musicians. For instance, we had Bohemian Rhapsody and, of course, Rocket Man for Elton John. And there's another one. There is. Uh, respect. And this is the story of Aretha Franklin, her career. Uh, Jennifer Hudson plays Aretha and does the singing of all the songs in the movie. Uh, the story focuses on Aretha's journey when she was a child in the church choir going to international stardom of course and being in movies and just a phenomenon jazz style soul singer uh, this is really good. It's a two-and-a-half-hour movie, so it covers all bases, but the performance for, of Jennifer Hudson as Aretha Franklin has to be seen and heard to be, to be believed. I, I loved it. And, again, another award-worthy performance. Does it compare with, uh, like, Bohemian Rhapsody and even the uh, the Elton John ones that we've seen in previous times? They, they're, they're different in their own way. Mm. It compares to it that the filmmaking and the, the detail of the storytelling is great as you see behind the scenes and everything and uh, so yeah if you like those two movies I think you'd like this as well but they are different stories Hit us with it Shane Bassett how many buckets of popcorn are you giving respect? Four out of five really enjoyed it loved it Movie analyst Shane Bassett thank you so much for taking the time to let us know what's out at the moment here physically at the cinemas in Dubbo Always a pleasure mate take care bye for now If you missed it yesterday on the show I caught up with Mayor Stephen Lawrence we talked believe it or not uh about a possibility about getting drug dealers to have their own QR codes. Yeah, bear with me. Details on that coming up soon. Plus, how good it was that town is opening up again and people are buying and spending money locally. Yeah, good morning. Good to be with you again. Yeah, look, it's just fantastic, isn't it? I sent my son off to school on Monday Mm. and that was, um, yeah, such a sense of relief, not just because (laughs) homeschooling was pretty hard, but (laughs) also just good for him to see his friends and yeah, start learning again properly. But yeah, just so awesome for the for the shops and the cafes and the businesses to be starting to reopen. Obviously still tough times for mm-hmm. some businesses, not, you know, everyone back up and running totally. But yeah, I just felt like towards the end of lockdown we were sort of at breaking point, you know, we were the longest sort of lockdown for regional New South Wales and was really starting to bite. So just an awesome feeling to be getting back to normal. I definitely agree about sending kids to school. My son, it was his first day back on Monday as well, and he was grinning ear to ear when I picked him up. Certainly uh, uh, something I never expected to see from a kid going to school. 
<laughs> I know. So, yeah, we're in the same situation. Yeah. <laughs> now, Steve, let's talk about QR codes. Obviously, in full force at the moment, people are getting vaccinated. Their vaccination status is showing up on QR codes. But you gave some information uh, recently about QR codes and drug dealers. Uh, can we talk about this? I'm not quite sure what, what uh, the story is, but I'd like to get to know what you were meaning when you brought this up. <laughs> okay. So, look, those who watched our 12 noon press conferences during the you know, start of our Delta outbreak, mm. might recall that one morning I raised a few eyebrows when I said to the however many thousand people watching the Facebook Live video that we need to think about the drug, you know, the drug users out there during lockdown who are doing without drugs and sort of raised a few eyebrows and people are like, what is the crazy mayor talking about? Last week at a Senate inquiry, I gave evidence and I said, if we're not, if, if, you know, if people aren't talking about QR codes for drug dealers, well, they really should be. And again, people are like, what is the crazy mayor of Dubbo talking about? <laughs> Look, what I'm talking about is this, that the, the illicit drug industry was the entire cause of our outbreak. It's how the virus was brought to our region. Yeah. I think there's a reasonable awareness of that now. But what is not understood is that it was also the main driver of community transmission during our outbreak. Now, I'm not suggesting there that anyone that got COVID is linked to the drug industry. Absolutely not. It's a link in the chain sort of issue. But as I became aware of things during our outbreak, it became very clear to me that the illicit drug industry was the main driver. Mm. People moving around, seeking drugs, buying drugs, selling drugs was basically the main source of community transmission. And I just want to raise a discussion about that. I'm not literally saying let's get QR codes for drug dealers tomorrow, but I think we need to have a discussion about how we regulate and how we apply the same mode of regulation to illicit and unregulated industries as we do to normal and mainstream industries. We can Interesting. We can sort of ignore reality if we want to, but if we get a new pandemic that's five times more deadly, we will have no choice whatsoever but to try to regulate the unregulated because as with everything with this most recent pandemic, our vulnerabilities you know, in our society, yeah. all of a sudden have turned out to be the vulnerabilities of the whole community. I don't know how you're going to... How do you get drug dealers to play ball? I mean, they, they do illegal stuff because that's what they do. How are you going to get them to follow the rules? How are you going to implement this? Mate, you implement it. And, you know, I had these discussions at the beginning of the pandemic in, you know, as I became aware that, you know, the drug industry was pushing it so significantly, yeah. I was asking pretty difficult questions to people in pretty high positions, like... Have you guys been reaching out to the drug dealers? Everyone knows who they are. Have yeah. you been reaching out to the users? Have you been trying to sort of constructively engage with them around this stuff? Or are we just always using the same mode of criminalization, et cetera, et cetera, that doesn't actually work that effectively? And, you know, the answers that I got back was sort of not much at all uh, or nothing was being done in that regard. So it's a, it's a matter of getting our thinking caps on. I'm not naive about these matters. I've worked in criminal law for 20 years. I'm far from naive about these matters. But I also don't think that you throw your hands in the air and ignore societal realities when they're harming people. Very interesting. Uh, well, I can't say I've heard anyone talk about that, and I'd be very interested to see... <laughs> 
Uh, good, good to be aware of it, and I'd be very interested to see what becomes of it, I guess, Steve. Yeah, look, there's a good article in the Sydney Morning Herald this morning. I was just reading where they've interviewed a professor and a head of alcohol and drugs at St Vincent's, and, you know, they're basically saying, you know, saying the same thing, and it's come from the Senate inquiry evidence that I gave. It's successfully starting a discussion, and when you start a discussion and you get the really smart people thinking about it, it can go in all sorts of directions. And, yeah, look, you know, this is the point that I've been making for five years involved in politics here in Dubbo, which is we need to look at harm minimisation. We need to be aware of all the people losing their lives because of drugs, the families being destroyed. You engage with that reality and you try to fix things.